Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, January 20th, 2011. I am not alone in the studio today. I've got two guests. That's right, nepotism is alive and well. (laughs) I'll explain in a minute. Looking at what I have lined up for today. Yep, this is going to be fun. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said and done out there. And uh, we'd like to take what people are saying, compare them to what the scriptures say, and if it ain't squaring up, then you, you really shouldn't be listening to guys who are teaching stuff that's contrary, different to, contextualized in a way that just doesn't make any sense, that kind of stuff, at least when it pertains to the Bible. Now, I said at the uh, opening of the program, I'm not alone in studio. Uh, it, uh, hey, let me turn the microphone on here. Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> Josh, you're 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 in studio. Yes, and you have your lovely bride with you. Yes, Jasmine. Hi. <laughs> now, how long has it been since you've been in studio? Two years. Uh, well, ever since June of '09. June of well, June of '09. Wasn't it? Or maybe November? That was I. Did I do a show with you in November? No, no, I don't think I did. It was June of '09. It was really that long. Yep. I'm getting old. I feel it. <laughs> I'm glad you feel it. Yeah, that's that's not funny. Anyway, uh, no, my son uh, Joshua, he's in studio. He he and his wife are traveling across the country, and uh, they stopped by the Pirate Christian Radio Studio and stopped by uh, our house basically to uh, experience a nice wintry, snowy day here in Indiana. Right, and as a result of him being in the vicinity, we've been, we've been hard at work uh, writing and recording uh, new Marty Pythons, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just like old times. Nose to the grindstone. <laughs> because it's so hard. Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. So he and his wife are going to be uh, sitting in today. He's uh, heading off to uh, well, Washington. You're, Washington. You're going to be uh, you're lo- you're going to be stationed at the base at, in Bangor, Washington. Got it. Yep. Okay. So you're going heading out into the fleet. Yes. You know, over the sea. Let's go. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's nautical nonsense. We all yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah, go Air Force. Uh, oh. Yeah. Let's just ignore that. Okay. 
<laughs> now, I, if you follow me on Facebook and Twitter, then you know that uh, what I said is is that we've got two new episodes, two new installments of Marty Python's Flying Circus Church uh, that we're going to be uh, premiering today. Um, we've we've got two more that we're going to be recording uh, today as well. And so we've got maybe three more left that we're going to be premiering over the next few in installments of fighting for the faith so uh rather than you know talk about it some more well why don't we go ahead and uh premiere the uh the new installments of uh, marty python's flying circus church uh, the first one is entitled vision lax here we go it's marty python's flying circus church Does your life lack divine inspiration? Has God not told you your next steps to finding your personal greatness? If you've said yes to any of these questions, then your divine vision could be constipated. If so, we have the perfect ministry aid for you. Vision Max! It's the first divine vision suppository. When you use Vision Lax, you'll ascend directly into the glory cloud of God. All your most pressing questions will be answered by the Holy Spirit himself. With Vision Lax, you'll be able, but not limited to, winning the lottery, finding your purpose in life, having a better marriage, balancing your checkbook, avoiding poorly made movies, not taking the wrong turn, knowing when Mormons are at your door, sensing a disturbance in the force, acing your tests, and so much more! For only 10 easy payments of $49.99, you too can get Vision Lax. If you order within the next 15 seconds, we'll also send you a free set of Ginsu knives. But wait, there's more. If you call within the next 5 microseconds, you'll also receive a free Vision Lax 60-gallon fanny pack that conveniently holds up to three Vision Lax suppositories. And now, listen to some happy and satisfied Vision Lax customers. I can use this fanny pack as a tent. My vision has never been clearer, but I really need a plunger. My vision told me not to tell you anything. That's so easy to use? Don't wait to order your supply of vision lacks. Order now. Side effects may include nausea, heartburn, diarrhea, explosive acne, warts in weird places, greasy hair, short-term memory loss, long-term memory loss, coma, scripture twisting, hallucinations, 400 babies, limosis, cold, flu, and early death, and extreme attraction to Lectio Divina, weight gain, iocane powder poisoning, and uncontrollable flatulence. Order now! Right, that was uh, the first of two Marty Python's Flying Circus Churches that we're premiering on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. The second one is uh, is actually part one of uh, a two-part uh, Marty Python series that we're doing, and uh, this one's called Build-A-God Part One. Here we go. It's... Python's Flying Circus Church.
the Build-A-God. How can I help you? Hello. I received a Build-A-God certificate for my birthday, so I'm here to build my own deity. Oh, this has got to be so exciting for you. Oh, it really is. Okay, let's get started. The first thing we have to do is determine whether your god is male, female, or unisex. Men are pigs anyway. She has to be female. Great choice. Now we have to select some of the attributes of your goddess. What do you provide? Do you want her to be kind, loving, compassionate, just, angry, righteous, wrathful? The goddess I believe in would only be loving and kind. Perfect. Now, is there any kind of sin that needs tending to by your goddess? Sin? You know, things like lying, cheating, stealing, murder, homosexuality. Well, I definitely want my goddess to be gay-affirming, and sin itself just feels so negative. I'm a good person, and I think my goddess will think everyone else is too. Oh, wonderful! Your goddess is coming along beautifully! Now we have to get to the difficult questions. Does your goddess offer an afterlife? Yes! My goddess would let everyone go to heaven. Except for Hitler, Genghis Khan, and good-for-nothing ex-boyfriend. Oh, excellent! Excellent! Now for the final step. You have to name your goddess. Hmm... I think I'm going to name her Jesus. Oh, wonderful! That's what everyone names their god. Well, there you have it. <laughs> oh, man. Why do I feel like I'm going to get emails regarding those? Oh, you will. <laughs> yeah, I will. So there we have it. The, uh, the, the, the latest two brand new Marty Pythons, Flying Circus Churches, and, uh, you know, this, um, they speak for themselves. But that Build-A-God, uh, that's, uh, that's part one of two. Yes. So uh, you'll have to stay tuned for another edition of Fighting for the Faith as we... Yeah, prepare to roll out part two of the uh, Build a God uh, Marty Python series. You know, we've never done a series before, have we? No, we haven't. No, okay. Right, yeah, I'm just checking. You know, being as old as I am, I I lose track of. Anyway, sure you're not checking those. Uh, you know, yeah, no, 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 no. I I am not a user of Vision Lacks. So um, thanks for asking. Short term memory loss. Right, right. Okay. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. There's really two topics I want to discuss in the first hour. Number one is uh, is uh, looking at really demonstrating from the evolution camp, those who are trying to mix evolution and Christianity together, uh, as to just let them explain why it's just not compatible. It, it, and so I'm going to be uh, looking at a Huffington Post article today because uh, the Huffington Post is just like my favorite uh, news source. Wait, send sarcasm in your voice. Yeah, just a smidge. And uh, and then uh, we're going to be listening in uh, to a, a phone conversation um, for, with Michael Dowd and and um, and uh, I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> it's like Campbell. Uh, Bishop Shelby Spong. Oh no! Not yes, again. yes, yes. Oh. We're going to be listening to Bishop Shelby Spong and Michael Dowd having a conversation about evolutionary Christianity. And uh, after we've uh, beat that topic to to a pulp, uh, what we're going to do then is uh, we're going to be listening to Rick Warren. When, you know, one of the things uh, you know, I, I want to come back, uh, Rick Warren, last Friday he had his big Daniel, it was Saturday, the, he released the Daniel plan and he had uh, 
Dr. Mehmet Oz, who was a member of the Swedenborgian cult, uh, helping him, you know, and actually he was there at, you know, they had a video presentation of uh, Dr. Oz, you know, presented. I I watched the whole thing. Yeah, but I'm not going to be talking about the Daniel plan today. What I'm going to be doing is is picking apart uh, a little bit more of uh, Rick Warren's theology. He has a deficient view of sin and why it is that we disobey. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be listening to uh, part of uh, the audio from uh, Rick Warren's uh, lecture series on purpose-driven preaching. And he's going to tell us the purpose of preaching, and he's going to tell us why it is that people disobey. How many steps is it? Well, he, there's ten. Oh, there's ten, ten okay. things that you know he lists, lists wow. as to why people disobey, and and once you understand the reason behind it, then after the ten steps, and then you'll know all the things that you need to do to help people to experience life change. And what he means by that, them obeying God. Oh my! Yeah, you know, if I don't get in ten steps, I want my money back. Well, it's, they're ten easy steps, oh, though. Okay. You know, anybody could do it. All right. You know, and uh, and then uh, and then our sermon review today. Um, the name of the sermon is Dream Again. Hmm. Dream Again. It's, um, you haven't, see, you've been in the Navy and you, you haven't really been listening to the program that much. I haven't been able to. So, uh, you, <laughs> so you really haven't heard the, this latest genre of just bizarre, seeker-driven preaching, have you? No, oh, but I bet it's all the, part of the same flavor of just... Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you just... Put a crash helmet on, and we'll get some knee pads for you, and we'll dive into the sermon review in hour number two. So that's what we're doing today, and uh, so uh, with that, uh, let's dive into the program uh, proper. And uh... From the Huffington Post, Original Sin, Evolution, and Human Origins. Written by Michael Roos, Professor of Philosophy at Florida State University. <clears throat> yeah, this. Oh, man. On February 22nd, 1943, in Munich, the German student Sophie Scholl uh, went to her death on the guillotine. A member of what is known as the White Rose Group, she had been found guilty of distributing pamphlets against the war and the Nazis. Now, I want to point something out to you here as I'm reading this fine piece of journalism from the Huffington Post. Um, that uh, this illusion that's being made here, um, yeah, he's he's making he's making a reference to somebody being killed by the Nazis for believing the truth, and well, he's going to turn this around. And if you believe that God actually created the world the way the Bible says, and you think evolution is bunk, then you're a Nazi. That's the, that's the flavor of what's going on here in this little article. Uh, did I I failed to mention that at the top of the pre- yeah. You you look pained, son. Okay, let's let's continue. So uh, let's see. She was part of a group known as the White Rose Group. She had been found guilty of distributing pamphlets against the war and the Nazis. Her last words as she walked bravely to her death were, How can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give himself individually to a righteous cause? Such a fine sunny day and I have to go, but what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? That's the the, the lead-off on this article about original sin, evolution, and human origins, you know, with this brave girl going to her death because the Nazis are killing her. Anyway... <clears throat> Michael writes, he says, I give this as a background to another in what has become a series of assaults 
on the Christian problem of original sin. I use the word assault not on the sense of denying original sin. If what happened to Sophie Scholl was not the result of original sin, I don't know what could be, but rather the sense of seeing how the notion can be reconciled with modern science, specifically with modern paleoanthropology, the study of human origins. The problem is simple. The standard Christian position on original sin uh, sin stemming from St. Augustine is that humans are tainted, predisposed towards sin because of the acts of Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God, and as a result, uh, we are all influenced. For it, it is for this reason that Jesus, God incarnate, died on the cross. This selfless act made possible our eternal salvation. Now, did you catch the uh, little flaw in the argument there? You didn't see it, did you? No. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, let me point it out. <clears throat> he said that the problem of original sin stems from St. Augustine. Augustine. Mm. Yeah, by the way, Augustine, he was one of the things he was famous for was uh, apologetically using the scriptures to put down what became known as the Pelagian heresy. Pelagius was a British monk, and, uh, and you know, and he taught that man is not dead in trespasses and sins. Augustine used the scriptures to say, no, the scriptures teach that we are by nature sinful, dead in trespasses and sins, at war with God and all that kind of stuff. But notice where that where Michael put the argument. He didn't say the Bible teaches original sin. No, 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 no. It was Augustine. Yeah, you, you, you see, yeah. <clears throat> so you see what's going on here. We continue. But what if Adam and Eve never existed? This is Michael's question. He says, what, what happens to the whole doctrine of original sin? Well, unfortunately, it's absolutely denied by today's students of human origins that at, that at some point in the past, the human species, Homo sapiens, sprang into existence with just two people, a man and a woman. Everything comes about through a long process of evolution fueled by natural selection. We humans have ancestors going back to the original blobs almost four billion years ago. You know, now I think Michael might have uh, family members that are blobs, but I don't. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So a line springing from Job of the Hut, basically. Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah the, that, that Job of the Hut is just a large paramecium, anyway. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> we, we we humans have ancestors going back to the original blobs almost four billion years ago, and when did? And when when we did appear half a million years or so ago, there was a whole population. And although the species may well have gone through some bottlenecks, there were always several thousand of us around. Moreover, if we today are are all descended from one or two individuals, we are also descended from uh, we are also descended from many other individuals. So, really, talking about an original pair who made a big mistake is simply not on. Nor, incidentally, is it much help to argue, as has recently been suggested by the scientist Dennis Alexander, a Christian who holds to a Faraday, uh, who heads the Faraday Institute in Cambridge, England, an institute dedicated to the reconciliation of science and religion, that perhaps two humans in the Middle East did something wrong and that caused the trouble. Modern biology suggests that sin was around. Uh, a long time before two individuals, however wicked they may have been. So it's a bit silly to say that they uniquely were responsible for all of our ills. So am I to believe that they found an actually bottled sin in a way they can put under a microscope? Is that what they're telling me? Well, here's the this is the this is the problem. Okay, is is that evolution has death being part of the means by which natural selection you know selects out unfit species beings creatures or critters or amoeba or whatever so the basic the argument is is that if death is a result of sin okay 
then they've, you know, they, you know, then, you know, that would put us back to Adam Eve. Now, notice uh, <clears throat> Michael isn't here presenting any evidence for evolution. Basically hearsay. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, uh, and you know, it, it basically, if you don't believe in ed- evolution, you're anti-scientific. That's the way they, you know, they, uh. they put things. But that's not true at all. But you, here's the deal. This is the nub. This is where the, this is where the action is. This is where the fight's at. But this doesn't prove one way or another whether evolution really happened. And uh, again, you know, I reject evolution on scientific grounds. Okay, this is not something that I've you know stuck my head in the sand about at all. In fact, when I was at, at Christ College before it turned into Concordia University, we had Dr. A. E. Wilder Smith come and lecture on this, and. You know, I went to all of his lectures on evolution. They, the guy was brilliant. He was profound. And uh, I've got several of his books about, you know, the natural sciences know nothing about evolution. And this is where I actually began my, you know, you know investigation into it. And, and if you want more, you know, information as to why evolution is just scientifically bankrupt, and that, that's the best word, the word that I could use, it's scientifically bankrupt – Go to piratechristianradio.com, click on the store link, and then in the store we have an entire section entitled Contra Evolution. And uh, fantastic books. I mean, uh, basic level stuff, uh, you know, uh, from uh, The Case for the Creator. Uh, you know, we, we got the Darwin's Black Box. We've got, uh, you know, the uh, Signature in the Cell. I mean, great, great books. And they're all written from a scientific perspective. And, and, and so, but here's the deal. In the world of Christianity, you have an entire group of people who basically are saying it, the the arguments over the evolutionists have won, and they haven't, and so they think that you know at this point that their conscience is bound to quote the truth, and therefore Christianity has to change. And well, as I read yes on yet was not yesterday, but the day before his program, uh, Albert Moeller's piece talking about it. When you have a worldview, you have to have an explanation for sin and death and evil and all the things that are wrong with this planet. And the reality is, is that evolution not only has an insufficient explanation as to uh, you know to explain death and sin and things like that. They're it's hostile to what the biblical narrative teaches on this. But at the same time, the the flip side of it is is that evolutionary theory has death being a positive thing, the part of the mechanism for selecting out of the gene pool unfit species. Okay, as a result of it, um, even though I won't fully develop the piece here, you know the illusion that Michael used to go to the Nazis, okay, and somehow this this martyr girl who was martyred for believing the truth or you know aligning herself with the truth. The the reality is is that evolution gave us the Nazis. Evolution gave us much of the of the atrocities that occurred in the twentieth century. Why? Because it's this idea that if if man has evolved, okay, we haven't fallen. We've been moving upwards. We're heading somewhere. And that and that's exactly what the Nazis and the fascists latched onto is this idea that we're progressing towards something. And what uh, and what Hitler was really trying to do was use, you know, accelerate natural selection to weed out of the gene pool unfit human beings so that the uh, you know, so that man would take the next evolutionary leap forward genetically with the with the arrival of the Aryan Ubermensch on the planet, and that that would inaugurate the thousand year Reich, 
This is what Hitler was all up, and evolution was the philosophical underpinning of all of this. Okay, so and and you know we don't hear a lot about that. You know, it, we always hear about oh well, well you can't believe in evolution because then you have to believe that uh, you can't believe in creationism because then you have to believe that all sin came about as a result of two uh, real human beings. Well, let me uh, let me uh, <clears throat> uh, here's a part of a audio conversation between. Michael Dowd, who's had his new website, evolutionarychristianity.com, and uh, Bishop, for, uh, retired Anglican Bishop John Shelby Spong. Let's listen in and see if you can catch some of these themes even in their conversation regarding why we should be embracing evolution as Christians. And we'll listen to some of the hubris that now comes along with their thoughts. Here we go. I live in on the other side of uh, Isaac Newton, who took away the concept of miracle and magic uh, with which the Christian story is so deeply uh, compromised, I would say, and we have to look uh, in the on the other side of Charles Darwin. Now, the the Darwinian revolution has shaken the Christian story to its roots, and that's why that's why you have this incredible negativity in our society toward the thinking of Charles Darwin. I mean, mm-hmm. Everything from the from the debate that uh, the Bishop of Oxford. Uh, had with him within a year after that book came out, Christianity has resisted Darwin to the Scopes trial, to the publication of the fundamentals in the United States between 1910 and 1915. Uh, to... Now notice uh, Bishop Spong here, he's speaking negatively of those in Christianity who have resisted Darwin. Creation science to intelligent design, enormous energy has been spent trying to resist and dispute Darwin. Now, the fact is that the religious community has lost that war. They don't call real. Really? We've lost it? I didn't remember surrendering. I don't remember surrendering either. I mean, don't you have. Yeah, you. No, we didn't really lose this war at all. In fact, uh, you know, the uh, Discovery Institute, I mean, they've got, what, four, six hundred scientists from around the planet? And growing. And growing that have signed on to their statement basically saying Darwinian evolution does not explain origins at all. No. And they're. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't get the memo. I don't know. I, I I guess they're just trying to go against the second law of thermodynamics. You know? Oh, don't get scientific on us. Yeah. <laughs> but that war's lost. Uh, the medical world, the scientific world, assumes Darwinian principles in everything it says and does. And, you know, the fact that we have to go get vaccinated every year. For now, listen to this argument. The fact that we have to go get vaccinated proves evolution. Watch this. Different strain of, of uh, influenza means that the influenza virus is evolving and mutating to respond to the vaccinations so that, you know, everybody. No, no, got to stop there. Okay. Is he completely oblivious to the idea of macroevolution versus microevolution? There is a difference. Yeah. I mean, every year, yes, we have to get flu shots for the new mutated flu viruses. But each year, it's still the flu that we're being in, immunized against. I've never heard of influenza turning into AIDS. No, I neither have I. Have you ever, have you ever heard of influenza turning into a brand new plague? Oh no, no, no! It's still influenza. Influenza never turned into a frog either. I mean, just <laughs> nothing. Don't get scientific on us. Give it a couple thousand years, <laughs> right? And it'll still be influenza. Poof. Yeah, <laughs> we continue. Even the fundamentalists are are being shaped by evolutionary thinking, whether they admit it or not. Just when they go get their flu shots, so that 
that what's going on. Yeah, but that is the most compelling reason for evolution <laughs> that I have ever heard. You getting a flu shot proves evolution. Oh, goodness, I'm shaking. Wait, I'm not. I think that's no, just the... No, that's dumb. No, no. ...is that throughout history, we have had constantly to rethink the Christian symbols in terms of a new worldview. And I think... Now, did you hear this? Okay, so in John Shelby Spong's world, and he's not alone. This is what's going on with those people who are trying to mix Christianity and evolution. What gets, you know, the evolution, the new worldview, the new whatever the scientific theory that's in vogue today, that's the thing that's true, and Christianity gets to be rethunk in light of that. Okay, forget the fact that it's the faith once for all delivered to the saints. No, 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 that... Yeah, that's just backwards. Uh, no, no, no. What we what we need is uh, to rethink Christianity. And of course, John Shelby Spong thinks that he has the authority to do this all on his own. Yeah, he, he, I mean, it, it was obviously a selfless act on his part to totally. take it upon himself to rethink all of the Christian symbols. Now that that now that Christianity has lost the fight to evolution, they just don't know it. He's treating Christianity like women's fashion. He thinks it just changes. Over the seasons. You're going to get hit. <laughs> we continue. That's all that's going on today. We are trying to to think about how we can make sense out of the symbols of our religious heritage in a world that is radically different from the world that we inherited as as the Christian people walking through history. Yeah, that's exactly how I see our time and also this this larger conversation that this series is part of. That is, what are the different ways that various Christians, uh, liberals, conservatives, radicals, Catholics, Protestants, evangelicals, and so on, can appreciate, can find deep value and uh, sustenance in the tradition and yet how can we interpret the symbols, the practices, the doctrines, the, the dogma of our tradition in a way that... So how do we, how do we maintain sustenance in, in dogma and Christianity that isn't true? Don't want to. Yeah, I, I, I'm, here's the deal. If Christianity isn't true, I've got way better things to do with my time. You know, I, I got places to go, people to see. <laughs> Is in alignment with what you know, the way I speak about it, with the way God is, what God has been revealing through evidence, through, yeah. through cross. So God apparently is now revealing things through evolutionary evidence. What a lame God, because the evidence is so flimsy and always keeps falling flat on its face. Cultural evidence, through scientific evidence, through historical evidence. And it, it's, it's a, to my mind, it's a terribly exciting time to be alive and be involved in the church. It doesn't have to be either or, either you accept a science-based evolutionary understanding of reality and then reject all all myth, all religion, all meaning systems. Or you are a young earth creationist or a biblical literalist and you reject science. There's a choice. Uh, you know, what's so funny is is that uh, there's another choice there. Notice the false dichotomy. That That's known as, by the way, in logical circles, that's known as the bifurcation fallacy. Yeah, so the, the way this works, bifurcate means you know you only get two. You know, so there's only two choices. You either you you are either a scientist who accepts evolution, or you're a Christian who rejects science. You said there was, there didn't have to be an either or. That, yeah, well, it sounds like there is. Yeah, well, in this particular case, the category he's not dealing with somebody who has the same view of scripture that Jesus had and believes science. Hmm. Yeah, I just happen to be in the group of you know in the science camp that says evolution is. Scubalon. Thin, thin sliver of the Venn diagram. Here right. Middle, middle ground. Right. There's no doubt about that. 
But let me tell you why I think Darwin is so difficult for religious people. This is the meat of the of the part. Listen in. Rightly or wrongly, we have told the Jesus story in terms of an Augustinian pattern. There it is again. Rightly or wrongly, we've told it in terms of an August. No, August, Augustine is not the one responsible for the doctrine of original sin. By the way, before the end of the weekend, you, the uh, the Letter of Mark journal will be out, and I have an entire section on this, on what the Bible teaches regarding original sin, and uh, I don't quote Augustine even once. Yeah, just just want to let you all know that. I wonder why they're attacking him so hard. Because if it's a biblical argument, then the Bible has to go. If see, if they, they say it's it's Augustine, so if it's not the Bible doesn't need to go. It's just Augustine's got to go. Oh. Yeah, he's the bad guy. Mm. Yeah, that the world was created perfect, and then through human sin, we corrupted the perfection of God's creation, and we fell into original sin. We had to leave the Garden of Eden. But we've tended to literalize that as a description of our humanity. Mm-hmm. And and that means that human life is lived in, quote, sin, unquote, and has to be rescued because we cannot overcome this sinfulness ourselves. It is in the, is in the depths of our humanity. We are, we are corrupted people. And so we have to postulate God coming to our rescue, and we've told the Jesus. We have to postulate God coming to our rescue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just makes you wonder. I mean, has he has he ever traveled outside the United States and seen obscene third world poverty? I mean, has he ever experienced, you know, suffering, pain, evil, death? I mean, has he been living in some kind of bubble? I mean, I mean, you know, how does he explain tsunamis? Did, was he aware of the tsunami that occurred a few years ago? Uh, Katrina. I, yeah. I, 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 oh, the one in. Australia. Yeah, flooding in yeah, Australia. the flooding in Australia. Uh, just the, the, I mean, just the oil, the BP oil spill with all fire. And right. Yeah. I mean, apparently that's all just whoops. Who cares? If uh-huh. There's no moral attachment. You know. Yay. Yay. It's a story in terms of God coming to our rescue to restore us to what we were originally created to be. Now that's that's generally the way we tell the story. Now. Yeah, that's the way the Bible tells the story. It's a pretty solid story. Yeah. People can uh, sort of make it a little more sophisticated, a little less sophisticated, but that's what our hymns say. That's what the sacrifice of the mass means in the Catholic tradition. That's what Protestants mean when they recite the mantra that Jesus died for my sins. And yeah, listen to the way he said that. When they recite the mantra, Jesus died for our sins. Yeah, we've got to get rid of that. The fact is that none of that makes sense in a post-Darwinian world. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is coming from a churchman. Oh my goodness. None of that makes sense in a post-Darwinian world. No, 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 no. All of that makes perfect sense. Darwinianism doesn't make any sense. Right. Why, why does Christianity have to go out the window while Darwinian stays? I mean, last time I checked, it was God that was the authority, not Darwin. Yeah, and well, Jesus rose from the grave. Right. You know, yeah. And, he, and Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. Yep. You know, taught that you know Cain and Abel were like real people. Oh, I know. You know, so. yeah. but you know what their explanation for this is? It's a really silly one. Jesus was, you know, because, you know, he was God incarnate, he, he, as a man, he was just a product of his times, and he didn't know any better. If Jesus were alive today, he'd be an evolutionist. Oh, because Jesus wasn't all-knowing because he wasn't God. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Darwin says that we were not created perfect, and you can't fall unless you start out in a perfected state from which you can fall. We have evolved through hundreds of millions, even billions of years of evolutionary history toward some goal 
which I would identify as self-conscious humanity. At least that's the stage of our evolution. That We're evolving towards some goal. See, this, again, I mean, this is exact counter against what the Bible teaches. And I, always when political ideologues of the socialist brand latch onto this stuff, they they use this as the justification to murder millions upon millions of people because they need to be removed from the gene pool because they're unfit and they're getting in the way of human progress. DNA is falling apart. Don't 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 confuse us with scientific facts. You just need to uh, just bow the knee to John Shelby Spong. We're in today as the top of the food chain. So there is no fall. So the whole concept of original sin is is gone. And and our hymns that reflect this and the preaching that reflects this and our doctrines that reflect this no longer translate. And so it, it's really devastating because we don't know what to do. You yeah, it's real simple. Reject what you're doing. That's what we need to do. cannot fall from a position that you've never possessed, namely perfection. You cannot be rescued unless you fall. You cannot be restored to a status that you've never enjoyed. So the whole way we have told the Jesus story has now become inoperative. So the, the vile... Wow. At least he's consistent. But you see, the thing is, is that... What should have happened years ago with John Shelby Spong is he should have been shown the door of the church, and it should have hit him on his posterior as he was walking out. Instead of disciplining him as he should have been disciplined and throwing him out for the heresy that he teaches, no, no, he stayed, and, and now he continues to wreak havoc. And what's he going after? He's going after the very narrative of Scripture, the fact that Christ Jesus was God in human flesh, died on the cross to save us from our sins. He says that's all nonsense now in light of Darwin. And you know what? He's right. But the thing is, is that Darwin has not been established scientifically. Darwin is under assault, even with, especially within the scientific community, and for good reasons. Yeah, so, you know... What is what is John Selby Spong? He is a heretic and a non-believer with a clerical collar on, and he's going about attacking, basically, the very foundations of Christianity itself. And Michael Dowd is all too happy to take up this argument and promote John Shelby Spong as a Christian thought leader because he's brave enough to rethink Christianity in light of Darwin. We're up on our first break. If you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, pirate Christian. We'll be right back. sack is not the measure of true Christian sanctification. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Warning, biblical Christianity and evolution are incompatible. It is true. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, your financial contributions, in order to continue bringing this important radio outreach to you as well as to the world. That's a partnership, if you would. And the way you partner with us is by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith, and that's on a monthly basis. But, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can make a one-time contribution by either clicking on the donate button or... You can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Pop it in the mail to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, moving along here, we're going to be talking about Rick Warren. We're going to be talking about the purpose of purpose-driven preaching. Rick Warren, by the way, I don't know if you know this, uh, he he states very clearly in, uh, in his uh, series on purpose-driven preaching, preaching what the purpose of purpose-driven preaching is. I, you would think that purpose-driven preaching had a purpose, and it does. Did you, did you know? You don't know what the purpose of purpose-driven preaching is? Too much redundancy. <clears throat> well, I'm going to play it anyway. Here's Rick Warren. I know I'm being redundant, but I want you to get this. The goal of preaching is not instruction. The goal of preaching is not information. The goal of preaching is obedience. Yeah, no, 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 the, serious. The goal of 
preaching is obedience. Bad dog. <laughs> Total confusion of law and gospel. Let me play just a little bit more here. Jeez. That is the goal. Not to know or understand everything I have commanded you. That's incomplete preaching. The goal is to do it. The objective of preaching is never information. It is obedience. How's that working out for you? Uh, I, you know, I raised you, so don't even tell me that you're obedient. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't beat, I couldn't preach obedience into you if I tried. No. No, yeah. Um, so the goal of preaching is, well, it's obedience. To have a robot congregation? I, I, well, and it's kind of weird because here's the deal is that, I mean, Rick Warren is kind of synonymous with Bible twisting. Uh, Rick Warren is synonymous with taking biblical passages out of context using multiple paraphrases and pseudo translations to make the Bible say what he wants it to say. Isn't that sinful? Isn't that disobedient? I believe it is. I mean, he's obviously using vision lines. Yeah, right. He's using vision locks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you just had to work that in there. I had to. Okay, all right. Uh, so uh, anyway, with that in mind, if with the goal of preaching being obedience, let's uh, let's hear Rick Warren's ten easy ideas as to how this obedience comes about. But this isn't instructional. Uh, no, no. Well, it's not informational. Uh huh. Right. Just telling us what. Yeah, to this right. is a lectural. Right. Got it. Okay. Here, here is um, Rick Warren. The teaching is not enough. You must show how. Based on this, let me conclude this session by giving you 10 statements of what I've learned about preaching for life change over the last 30 years. And by that, he means obedience. 10 things that I've learned about preaching that makes a difference in people's lives. Number one, all behavior is based on a belief. Now, did you hear that? Okay, now now we got a problem. All behavior is based upon a belief. The scriptures teach us, Jesus himself said it, that it's out of the heart comes adultery, murder, theft, all that kind of stuff. That by nature, according to Paul, we are dead in trespasses and sins, we're at war with God, and by nature we are the objects of God's wrath. Now here's the problem, and this is theologically where the rub is, is that according to the scriptures, false belief is a fruit of of original sin, okay? False beliefs are a fruit of original sin. It's a result of original sin, okay? Rick Warren has it that sin is a result of false belief. He's describing, he's he's not dealing with the root. This is why back when uh, Rick Warren uh, gave his lecture at John Piper's Desiring God conference back in October, I was yelling at you, Calvinist, going, he doesn't believe the T in tulip. He doesn't, and this proves it. If all behavior is based upon belief, then we, we, we are, we're not dealing with uh, sinful nature. We're just dealing with false beliefs. We're just dealing with bad information. And once we can weed out the bad information out of humanity, then everybody will be obedient. It's all Darwinism. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> It's always based on, you ever ask, why do I act the way I do? Because you're a sinner by nature? You know, you do something, you can't figure it out. I'll tell you why you act the way you do. It's because you're believing something. Every action has a belief beneath it. If you want to change the action, you have to change the belief. 
If you go out and, and, and you say, you know, I, I'm going to go get a divorce, you're acting on a belief. If you go out and say, I, I'm going to get drunk, you're acting on a belief. You say, I, I, I'm going to go, what I'm doing will make me happier than what God says. So it's not our sinful natures. It's just that you have a bad belief. See, it's the belief. Whenever we sin, we're acting on the belief. I will be happier disobeying God than obeying him. That's the belief. There's a... <laughs> Rather than being dead in trespasses and sins and by nature at war with God. Okay, this doesn't even make sense in light of Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul writing in the present tense saying, the good that I don't want to do... Uh, the good, I, well, the, the 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 good I want to do, I don't do. Uh, the bad things I don't want to do, I do. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter seven acknowledges that he believes that when he does the wrong thing, he's doing the wrong thing, and he believes that he knows that it's wrong, and he knows what the good thing is, and he doesn't do it. And then he asks the question, "Who will save me from this body or flesh, you know, of flesh of death?" Right. So the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is not saying, well, the reason I do these things is because I just have bad beliefs. Okay, he's, he's asked the question, who is going to save me from this body of death? Okay. Much bigger problem than what Yeah, apparently here, the big problem that we all have is that, well, we, just, we all just have messed up beliefs. What we really need is good information that will then give us obedience. But what if I don't believe that? Oh, but then if we do believe, then we can earn our salvation. Ooh, you're Yay, right. Then we can go to heaven without God's blood. Right. That's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Belief behind everything you do. You go out and you have sex outside marriage, guess what? You've got a belief about that that's causing you to do it. Number two, behind every sin is a lie that I'm believing. Behind every sin is a lie that I'm believing. When you sin, at that moment, you think it is the best thing to do. You have been deceived, but you think it's the best thing to do at that time. Why did I exaggerate just then? Why did I lie just then? Why did I cover up just then? Because at that moment, I... Uh, You mean at that moment I was dead in trespassing, sinful by nature, struggling with my sinful flesh that... No, 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 it's no, 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 you're just believing the wrong things. I thought it was the best thing to do. It was a lie, but I thought it was the best. It was, I was being deceived. When your kids do something dumb or something rebellious, at that moment, they are believing a lie that is causing them to do it. Now, Josh, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I got to, I just want to point something out here. Mm -hmm. I I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear this. But um, your mother and I, we never had to give you lessons on how to be bad. No, no. That was, uh, I, always, I, I believed I was being good, but I was told I was being bad. And, uh, yeah. You, you, in fact, I consider you to be my primary objective evidence for original sin. Yeah. Okay. That just, you know, I, I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. It might seem a little embarrassing. But the reality is, is that I – did I ever say, you know, listen, now listen – you know, yeah, I need to teach you how to smoke. And so, you know, let's let you know you're you're eight years old, and you know, grab, give you a pack of cigarettes and say, now when you light up, hold it this way. Um, and then I said, did I ever give you tutorials on? Okay, now on, when you decide to get drunk, 
Uh, you need to do take these measures to make sure that you don't get a hangover and that and that and then drink these particular things to help you get drunk, you know, really quickly. Did I ever? No. No. Okay. No, you never told me that. Okay. Did I ever give you lessons on how to lie? No. Um, talk back. Nope. Hmm. Argue with your mother and I. No, that was easy. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, so you you came already doing all that stuff. I, I came as damaged goods. Yeah. So we had. In fact, do, do you remember many hours being punished and things like that? Many more hours being punished than being free. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So we we were your mother and I. We actively were working to correct correct the the broken material that we were given. Got it. Okay, so you know, okay, no, no, you're sitting here going, oh, I can't believe he's doing this with his son. You know, like, but the the idea here is this: is that I, you know, he's he's testifying to the fact that I didn't have to teach him how to be evil. Um, in fact, it took quite a bit of effort on the part of my wife and I to curb out and you know a lot of the bad. Be- and by the way, you know, his wife now it's her job to fix the you know finish what we didn't do. So, right, Chaz. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so um, yeah. I that, I don't think this was just a matter of beliefs. I I think that the, there was something deeper going on inside of you. By the way, my mom would say the same thing about me. Yeah. If I were to interview her, in fact, it's always embarrassing when we're having family events. Oh, we and, and, and holidays because the stories about. <clears throat> they always do some. Yeah. They rather embarrassingly. Let's continue. Notice this verse. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We're deceived by life. He picked on the wrong, the wrong word. At one time, we were uh, you know, disobedient in passions. We were deceived. It said enslaved. The verse said enslaved. There's, you know, it, it's not that we were just deceived. We were enslaved. Listen to this verse that he's quoting here and see if you can. He, he keys in on the word deceived to kind of somehow prove his point that, you know, just behind every sin is just something stupid you're believing. When the text that he's reading actually says enslaved. Listen. Causing them to do it. Notice this verse. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions. And enslaved. He uh. missed the enslaved part. <laughs> passions and pleasures. We're deceived by life. When you look at your congregation, you can see their behavior. I mean, you know who's lazy. You know who's a gossip. You know who's greedy. You know who's selfish. You know all these things. The tough part in preaching is figuring out what is the lie behind that action. Yeah, because the Bible doesn't give us an index of that kind of stuff, does it? Yeah. That's the tough part in preaching. Why are they acting that way? Because they're sinful by nature. They're enslaved. Yeah, never mind. When you see somebody who's arrogant and prideful, you can see that, but you have to figure out what are they believing that causes them to act that way. Because yeah, it's because it's the only reason they're acting that way is because they're they're believing something false. They've been deceived into believing something. No. Yeah. <clears throat> Behind every action is a belief. Now that's tough. 
figuring that out. But I will say the wiser you get in ministry, then the more discerning you become because some patterns you just start seeing over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, notice you don't need a crucified and risen Savior. You just need to figure out the lies that people are believing because once you figure out the lie, you can replace it with the truth and then they'll be obedient to God. So all we need is a good shrink. Yeah, or, you know, maybe a good book on morals, you know, like Aristotle or maybe, you know. Ten Commandments. How do we know who has the right morals? Well, the ones that get the best results, pragmatically. The the, the ones that are, are the most... Uh, the ones that Rick Warren likes. Right, exactly. Oh, the ten steps. Yeah, no, actually, there's seven areas of life. Finances, uh, relationships, And he's health. qualified to teach in all of those. Cause, yeah, because in, 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 in the 30 years of ministry that he's doing, he's figured out the lies that people are believing that cause them to behave badly. So he's qualified to teach financial stability for relationships. For... Of course, because all he has to do is replace the lie with the truth, and boom, people are obeying. You add Jesus to anything. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, you don't even need Jesus for this. No. We continue. Uh... Once you've been in ministry for many, many years, you just get wiser, and you start, well, I've seen that lie before. I mean, how about this one? I'm going to leave my kids and my wife because I know God wants me to be happy. And don't you think that somebody who would believes that has a sinful by nature problem? Yep. I once did a message on go for your dream, and a lady came and said, I'm leaving my husband and kids because my dream is to be an actor, and they're holding me back. I said, lady, you missed it. But she shared me. I, it sounds to me like she heard him perfectly fine. She was and probably, She was just understanding. You know, she was going for her dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shared with me her belief. A lot of times people aren't going to share it, but you've got to figure it out. Now, here's a third one. Change always starts in the mind. It always starts in the mind. So, yeah. yeah. Basically, it doesn't matter what the next you know, seven premises are, statements at this point. Uh, the, the foundation number one is off. He, okay. False belief is a result of our sinful and corrupt nature, okay? That's not the root. That's only the fruit. And so he's looking at one of the fruits of our sinful fallen nature and going, this looks like the root, and now he's postulating all these things. As a result of it, again, he doesn't understand the biblical doctrine of original sin. And at this point, he because he set up the system, he's actually creating a system where he's fooling people into thinking that they're now obedient. When what's missing? Repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Okay? What does Hebrews 11.6 say? Without faith. It's impossible to please God. Or Romans says that uh, those who are controlled by the flesh cannot please God. They do not obey God's law. Indeed, they cannot do so. Rick Warren is literally only preaching some kind of a, of a rational system of morals and calling that biblical obedience. Biblical obedience, though, requires us to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And I don't think that that's just a matter of believing false things. The reason I don't do those things is because by nature I am dead in trespasses and sins. I, you know, I still have my sinful flesh that is at war with God that I struggle with as a Christian, and that's why, as a species, we we sin 
daily in sin much. So not only does evolution fall short, but also this type of purpose-driven philosophy falls short because it doesn't, it cannot adequately explain sin and evil and the depth and magnitude of it and what the true consequences are. As a result of it, Rick Warren, in not dealing properly with what is at the root cause of sin, he's not giving the right corrective because the corrective he's given is just you need to believe right things so that then you're obedient. What we need is a crucified and risen Savior and the obedience that comes from faith in Christ, not this. All right, we're up on our second break. When we come back, it'll be sermon review time. If you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We will be right back. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I had enough! Of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith, sermon review time. You know, since I have you in studio, I thought I would pick something that was just outrageous. You're, 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 you're going to like it, I guarantee. Yeah, you're going to be thanking God at the end of this. And Lovely. Yeah. Let's cue up the sermon review music. Here we go. 
the good, the bad, and uh, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's... That's not even right to call it a sermon. Today's sermon comes to us via South Hills Church, Corona, California. Guest pastor Rex Crane presiding. The name of the sermon, Dream Again. Yeah, I I get the feeling I'm going to have to, like, play most of this sermon series... As long as well as the Whoopi Cushion Life sermon series coming out of North Point, you, know, you, you Josh, you missed it. I, I reviewed a sermon this week entitled "Pull My Finger." That's awful. Yeah, it's and, and they actually sent out a mailer. I, you saw that. You saw the you saw at the museum of. They sent out a mailer. I mean, could you imagine being like a non-Christian going, "Oh, I got to go to that church. They've got flatulence humor." I, I mean, we a while ago we came out with the you know Mel Gibson uh, no, Blazing it, Saddles. It was Bible the study. it was the Blazing Saddles Bible Study. That was our first year in broadcasting. Yep, we, and and now I mean, hold my finger. I mean, it goes right along with it. I mean, how long before we actually have a legitimate? Yeah, that's right. Blazing Saddles Bible Study. Yeah, by the way, if you want to, this is true, it, Josh. You remember this? I you know we were joking with how the seeker-driven guys were mangling God's word. And so as a piece of satire, I wrote something called the Blazing Saddles Bible Study. If you go to... Um, yeah, you, it's, it's there at the Museum of Idolatry. You can see it there. Or if you want to hear us, hear me delivering the Blazing Saddles Bible Study, go to fightingforthefaith.com and in the search box there on the website, type in Blazing Saddles, and you'll get the episode with the Blazing Saddles Bible Study. I, you, can't, you can't satirize the church anymore. You know, because you, I, I, every time I come to the microphone and I think I'm doing satire, I get worried because I'm afraid one of the seeker-driven pastors is going to rip off my idea and then pull, and preach it, and then I'll feel like I'm responsible. Uh, anyway, let's uh, kill the music here. Um, let me read to you about Rex Crane, <clears throat> Pastor Rex Crane. Born and raised in Southern California, Rexford Crane's first passion was baseball. Like a dream come true, he was picked up and signed by the Boston Red Sox at the age of 18. But just weeks before leaving his second season, Rex had a spiritual encounter that altered his life's course and caused him to leave his baseball career behind and pursue the discovery of his God idea. That was a dark day. <laughs> so so he, he, he could have been a baseball player for the Boston Red Sox. But he left that in order to find his, quote, God idea. This is from his website, okay? Since that day, Rex has developed a confidence in the ability and willingness of God to help people and to change their lives. Oh, here we go again. Now this gift of inspiration and faith is being used to motivate and to wake people up to who they are, what they can do, and what they have a right to bring, uh, and and that they have a right to by bringing ideas and tools that empower them. This gift is Rex's life that has made a way for many to obtain big results spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, allowing them now to live with a divine effect. Is this the real Rex Quando? No, this is well. No, this is Rex Crane. Uh, yeah. Just making sure. You know. No, no, no. He doesn't. I don't think he preaches with Bible pants. Okay, just making sure. All right. Well, let me continue. Rexford's travels have led him across twenty-nine cr- countries across the globe, as well as throughout the United States. His vision is to stretch people beyond a life of good intention into a place of certainty and power. He has the opportunity to coach in one-on-one settings as well as in large gatherings, working to develop the uniqueness and greatness in every person that he meets. 
Rex's range of influence has also transcended beyond the church world and into the places of government and the entertainment industry. He has been privileged to speak with some of today's most influential leaders. Rexford Crane has devoted his life to touching people of all races, ages, and cultures across our nation and internationally. He is currently building his first Define Divine Effects AIDS Hospital to help Africa's AIDS-infected children. He also supports uh, the operations of an orphanage of children who have lost their families as a result of the AIDS virus epidemic. Rex Crane is not one who only sees the future. Rex Crane is a man who is determined to cause the future so that when the story of these times are written, it will say we did everything we could for a hurting humanity, and it was more than anyone could have imagined. Now, did you ever hear me mention the word Jesus in that? Um, Hang on a second. I, I, I got my uh, web browser open. Jesus. Nope, not found. Ugh. So, yeah. Um, heard a lot about Rex Crane, but I didn't hear anything about Jesus. So, anyway, without any further ado, here is Pastor Rex Crane in his sermon that he delivered a couple of weeks ago at South Hills Community Church in Corona, California, entitled dream again see it's i mean i mean with a with a build-up like that i mean don't you expect your life to change radically i don't know i didn't even hear the first dream yeah maybe you can find your god idea yeah let, let, here, here we go <laughs> all right hey uh for the next few minutes we're going to be hearing from a very very good friend of mine he's going to help us kick off the series he is a pastor he's a motivational speaker he is an author and i have known him uh man i don't know 15 20 years something like that and uh he does a lot of last time i saw him speak there was about i don't know eight or ten thousand people in the room and uh he is an incredible speaker communicator and he's going to help us kick off this five-week series called dream again now yeah, I'm going to give you a heads up, pull out a piece of paper, pull out a pen, because he's going to start saying a bunch of stuff you're going to want to write down. Every time I talk to this guy, he's rattling off stuff. Okay, so do you have? A, do you need a piece of paper? Oh, go gra- oh, go oh, grab oh, a piece oh, of paper. you got to write this stuff down. I mean, this is life-changing stuff. What do you – I'm, I'm not even charging you for this. Okay, you guys ready? Okay. You're going to want to write this down. We are prepared. Okay, all right, here, there we go. Come on, folks. Are you ready to dream again? Come on, in our hearts, what God has put inside of you, Rex is going to help us unveil that and kick off this five-week series. Would you please give a great, great hand to my very good friend, Rex Crane. Come on. Put your hands up. Hand up. One yeah, hand. there you go. Good. Yeah. Why don't we stand up for a minute and give the Lord a big old clap and a shout here tonight. Come on, give the Lord a big old clap. Because he needs our claps like Tinkerbell. You may not be what you want to be, but thank God you're not what you used to be, huh? How many ready to blast off and dream again in 2011? If you believe that, go ahead and sit down. Here we go. Man, the very fact that you're here tonight is evidence that God knows the earth needs something you got. Let me say that again because it's worth your gas money. What? (laughs) I've got something the earth needs. Did you write that down? I haven't written anything. I didn't yeah. think it was important. Uh, maybe he'll say it again. I don't want to. I don't want to miss these pearls of wisdom. That's a pearl. The very fact that you're breathing and you're here tonight is evidence that God knows the earth needs something. You got. You're here on assignment. There's something big inside of you. And the fact that you'd give your Saturday night to be is that big thing inside of me. Sin? Maybe a tumor? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Being in a room like this. 
a room where there's a climate of winning. I love that you produce that. It shows me that you want more out of your life. This is a night of breakthrough for you. A breakthrough is a shift in the momentum of your life where the impossible becomes possible. Let me say that again. It's a shift in the momentum of your life where the impossible becomes possible. Uh, am I supposed to write that down? I don't know. Is it simple? Is it, is it? Yeah, you don't. You ever notice how much ki- energy kids have? Their lives are all about momentum. Come on. Their lives, like when we were kids, before we started getting all beat up and tore up, come on, had all kinds of responsibilities. We were chasing the ice cream truck. Come on. Do, 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 do. Come on, we were flying kites, climbing trees, splash. Tough crowd. It doesn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still do that. Yeah. Puddles rather than driving or walking around them. Our lives are driven by our dreams. But the more responsibilities, the more disappointments and things we went through, the momentum starts to slow down and we begin to break down. And life starts doing something with us rather than us doing something with life. But I believe God wants to do something because he's got designs on your life. See, if you could tap into his mind, he's having conversations about you. The Bible says don't. Really, where, where does it say that God's having conversations? I'm trying to tap into Jesus. It's not working. <sighs> yeah, notice that we didn't start off in a biblical text at all. Um wow. Yeah. You know, I feel like Anthony Robbins, the uh, the Buddhist motivational speaker, that I think he could probably preach this one. Oh, wait, this is preaching? Oh, well, sorry. Don't dwell on the former things, Isaiah 43 says. Don't dwell on the past. Make room in your mind for the new things I want to do. Uh, why does that feel like a Bible twist? Context, context, context. Uh, oh, you remember that? Good, oh, good, yeah. yeah, okay. Something is sunk in. Good. Hey, he, he said Isaiah 43, right? Don't talk about sinking. We're on a boat. Come on. Yeah. Where is this part in Isaiah 43 about the former things? Hmm. Um, you know what? Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I mean, since he mentioned Isaiah 43, I, I, maybe I should read it. Go ahead. You know, let, let's see if Isaiah 43 says anything about, you know, God's doing a new thing in my life and that, you know, the earth needs me. Designs. Or, right. Trees and mud puddles. Yeah, exactly. Well, here we go. Funny thing is, you know, Isaiah 43, it's it's actually about Jesus. <gasps> no. I know. Kind of hard. I mean, what, six, eight hundred years old, before Jesus? Old Testament about Jesus? I mean, it's true. <gasps> now, let me read this. Okay. Now, that, now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Don't let Shabli Spong hear that. I've called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I'm very happy about the flame not consuming me. Kind of a picture of hell there. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Siba, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you, and I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, and I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. 
Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, and yet have ears. All the nations gather together, and the people assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and the servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any gods formed after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Yeah, that Isaiah 43.10 kind of rules out Mormonism. Yeah, just just saying. (laughs) I declared and I saved and proclaimed when there was no strange strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declared the Lord, and I am God. And henceforth I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring all them down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings the chariot and the horse and the army and the warrior. They lie down and they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. This is the verse he's taken out of context mm-hmm. here, Isaiah 43, uh, 18. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, uh, and wild beasts will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. Yet you did not call upon me. So it sounds like he's not talking about uh, dreaming again. Not not even talking about human beings, really. It's talking about more of himself. Right. God himself. Right. He's going to do all these things for us, the ones who he's redeemed. Now, let me just jump ahead. Verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Notice the gospel there? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's great. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah, so um, I, why do I feel like Pastor Rex here is um, not really teaching us what the Bible says there? And I, but he's very inspirational. You're writing this stuff down, aren't you? Uh, yeah, get your pen out. Yeah, okay, there. Let's continue. Let me ask you: Are you making room for it in your mind? You see, you got two functions. Room for what? Functions of your brain. Someone say two functions. No, no, say it like you got energy. It's Saturday night. Say two functions. You got your memory. That's the history channel there. Come on. That's where you, you know, recollect on good or positive or sometimes negative things. That's actually where most people get stuck. But you also got your imagination. Your imagination is what can be. Your memory was what once was, but your imagination is what can be. What a loaded question. Jesus, the master of life, said all things are possible to a person who believes. History is chronicled people who filled into the blanks of that question with mind-blowing results. I was studying a 98-year-old man not too long ago, showed up in the spring at the Empire State Building. He wanted to join this thing called the run-up, where the 20- and 30-year-olds would run up the Empire State Building to the top and run back down. How many of you know, if you use your imagination just a little bit, a 98-year-old guy does not look the same as a 20-year-old guy in his shocks and his Nike shorts? Come on, even if he's had a little plastic surgery, come on. Smile and nod, even if you got three teeth. Just try it. It's good tonight. 
And he said, I'm going to go run those stairs. And they said, sir, you know, that's probably not going to be able to work out. You're not able to do this. He goes, no, 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 I've already made room for it in my mind. And they said, no, sir, physically you're not going to be able to pull this sucker off. Yeah, I do want to let everybody know that the story about the 98-year-old man uh, running up the Empire State, it's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Yeah, no. just if you were confused. I don't, I, Empire State Building, not biblical. Yeah. He goes, watch me. I already made room for it. He's so persistent, 98-year-old guy. He deserves to be a little grumpy. Come on. They said, sir, why are you so persistent? He says, because I need to get ready for the Boston Marathon. That 98-year-old young rascal, come on, ran to the top, and he ran back down and beat some of those 20- and 30-year-olds. What can be? What can be? I was eating dinner with a friend and uh, Donald Trump's uh, business gentleman and a Kanye West designer of all people. Weird combination in Seattle. Does it mean it sound like he's name-dropping there mm, to make yeah. himself look? Hey, guys, look. I'm so cool. Yeah, I was with Donald Trump's. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my How does that make him look any better? I, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I come over yeah. Okay. So, the, anyway, I've got to point something out here. Um. Just quick question. If you run to the top of the Empire State Building, does that make you holier than somebody else? No, it just makes me more fit. Okay, so you, well, does okay. So, um, do people who run to the top of the Empire State Building, do any of them go to hell? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Just you know, so it, that's not a way to be saved. No. No. Okay, just checking. You're saved. Buddy. A couple months ago, we're sitting there after our conversations over. The guy says to me, the designer says, hey, would you go to the hospital and pray for my mom's girlfriend? She's dying of cancer. They give her a couple hours to live. I said, absolutely. I called my wife on the phone. I said, I might be late, you know, getting home. I said, just, you know, I just want to, I got to go do this. So I get to the hospital. They made us wash our hands, get to the top of the, the room where she was. And apparently she would get her treatments out in the hall. So they said, sir, can you wait here for a minute? I said, okay. And they ushered me into a room, and there's this woman. She had tubes and her chemo treatments all up, and she's shaking. She's sitting there with her girlfriend, and her has a head on her, like a little cap on her head. She's shaking. She goes, I'm so glad you're coming today. I go, why? She goes, I told the doctors I need my own room today because I needed room because God's going to do a miracle in my life. I said, are you for reals? She goes, yeah, I made room for it in my thinking because Jesus said all things are possible if I could believe. I don't have any other hope. I got to find a way where there is no. She's not a believer. In... <laughs> Story doesn't make any sense. I led her in a prayer to receive God's goodness into her life. And I said, you led her in a prayer to receive God's goodness. Oh, brother. Yeah. So does, does that mean she was born again then? If if you receive God's goodness in your life, are you born again? Poof. Let's give it a shot. We got everything to gain, nothing to lose. You say, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? We said a little prayer. I walked out of that room. She goes, I think things are. Yeah, that's not an argument, by the way. What if it doesn't happen and what if it does? That's not an argument. It's just silly. going to change in my favor. I said we should expect them to. Five days later, she walked out of that hospital with not one trace of cancer in her body. Yeah, can I see a medical um can I see your medical record name, phone number? I'd like to confirm this story. Yeah. Amazing. She went like, you know, a doubter to a believer. Your imagination. Remember as kids we had them? Come on. Be what was she a believer again in I after that? Something moving in her mind. I mystical healing. <sighs> she no. was a believer in God's goodness. 
We continue. Before we became all old and we knew everything, our, our lives were driven by our dreams. You say, what's a dream, Rex Crane? It's a desire. It's a want to. It's a vision. It's a picture of tomorrow. Dreams motivated the Wright brothers to fly. Roger Bannon. It's a vision of tomorrow. Hmm. You know what that reminds me of? Let me see if I can find this. Um, well, you've heard this. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he keeps talking about imagination. But uh, there's one. Let me see if I can find this. Hang on a second here. That was from Disney, right? Yeah, that. <laughs> that's a. Uh, uh, it's phantasmic. All right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll play more of the sermon while I look for this other thing. Hang on. Mister, to break the four minute mile when they said it was humanly impossible. It's interesting. Only one person needed to break that four minute mile, and over three hundred people did it that same year. You might be breaking barriers this year because you're going to dream out loud and dream again that other people, your kids, your grandkids, come on, someone's going to break out because you broke out. It motivated, the dream motivated a guy named Stevie Wonder. Someone's going to break out because you break out? An acne? Does this sound like a prison break? To master 11 instruments. To have 32 Grammys when his mama told him as a kid, you're cursed by God because you're born blind. He believed that till he played a piano note at five years of age. He went home and said, Mama, we're not cursed no more. I got a dream. Oh, boy. This is By the way, uh, Stevie Wonder, he's not in the Bible either. But see, see if you remember this. Here we go. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Isn't that the, what we're hearing in this sermon? The Carousel of Progress. That's right, from Walt Disney. Yes. Right, that was Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress theme song. And uh, I'm not seeing any difference between Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress theme song and this thing that's being uh, pawned off as if it's actually a biblical I'd sermon. I'd ride the ride than hear this. Right. Yeah, at least Disney makes it entertaining. Exactly. Yeah, it, so, yeah you're drawn into it. You know? right, it's, right. it's an immersive experience. Exactly. He went home and he said, I'm going to start working on that dream. How many of you are glad his mama's happy today because he did not quit on that dream? What's your dream? What's your dream? My dream is ridding the church of heretics like you. It is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow coming in just a day away. I'm yep, telling exactly. you, that's my dream. Uh, that's great. What can your dream do? Get rid of people like, like you. you. Who can your dream help? Everybody, everybody who, else. yeah, exactly. Everybody who's entrapped in churches with you, it, yeah. I remember as a kid, me and my brother used to watch a show. Anybody remember the show Emergency with Johnny and Roy, the paramedics? You're showing your age. My, yeah, Joshua and Jasmine are looking at me like, what? Oh boy! Come on. I was Roy because he had a cooler stethoscope than Johnny. 
for reals, this is cool. So our grandma gave us, like, it was before the Cabbage Patch predate kids, you know, the Cabbage Patch dolls. We had, like, a doll. I don't know what our grandma was trying to do with giving us a doll, two boys. Anyways, it's a whole other subject. We'll talk about that later. But we grabbed the doll, and we would throw it on George and Phyllis's roof. We're kids. Come on, seven, six. And we'd go lay down in our beds, and he was Johnny, I was Roy, and then all of a sudden we'd go, squat 51, squat 51, man down, man down. Uh, by the way, I just want to let you all know that this story does not appear in the Bible either. I, you go, did you hear that, Johnny? Uh, did you hear that, Johnny? Yeah, I hear that, Roy. Did you hear that, Johnny? I hear that, Roy. We would jump out of bed, put on our little garb, and we would run. We had like a little tackle box that we'd put all of our fake stethoscopes. Come on, this is when you were a kid, remember? Before you became all serious, addicted to the 91 freeway and flipping people off. Just because you're in church, I know what's in you. Come on. Did he really just say that in church? church. Yeah, okay. A little Freddy Krueger up in you. Come on, it just takes the right circumstance to push it out. Ah! We would call, we'd, we'd push the brush away. We'd get all scraped up, climb a brick fence, and get on a roof for seven. Where were our parents? They'd be put in jail today. Come on, Judge Judy would be all up in our business. We'd climb on the roof. We'd minister aid, take the stethoscope, do all that. But then we'd say, how are we going to get him down? My brother was sure to put that beanbag right down. Come on. This is a roof. This isn't like a five-foot thing. He would tie duct tape around my chest with a cap. This is the most obnoxious thing that's been presented as a sermon that I've heard in a long time. It's pitiful. Yeah. Cabbage Patch. All to save the Cabbage Patch kid. You couldn't even breathe. He's like, come on, we got to get him down. I said, I can't breathe. It's okay. Just fall. What do you mean just fall? In the beanbag. He pushed me off. At nighttime, our parents would go, what would you do today? Man, we saved the Cabbage Patch kids. Do you remember when you had a dream? Without a dream. Without a dream. Listen, look, 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 look. Without a dream, you wonder and wander. Without a dream, you wonder and wander. You go nowhere fast. Where is this taught in the Bible again? I, I, I can't remember. No scripture, no verse, no nothing. I, I, yeah, my money's on him messing up like the Proverbs passage. You haven't heard that one yet, have you? Uh, yeah, hang on. Life does something with you. Life becomes uneventful. At best, your happiness is dependent on happiness. Living with the someday syndrome, everything's just going to fall into place. Without a dream, you wonder and wonder. I was having a conversation with a guy, and he said to me, can I bring to you a friend? I said, absolutely. I go, why? Well, she's getting ready to go into the porn industry. I said, that's probably not too positive. He goes, you didn't judge me because he was uh, slept with over a thousand men. He was sick in his body and I took him into my house and I took care of him until he got better. I think that's the Jesus style. We need to love not in words. We need to love in actions. Come on. We got a people that can talk a great game. We need to play a great game. So yeah. took his doctor's appointments, prayed for him, spoke good. Actually, it's both. We need it's you need to pray uh, preach a good game and live a good yeah it's both it's not either or things into him anyways he got better he says can i bring to you somebody and i said yeah so he says we'll bring her this and this date so we get into the room and i said well tell me a little bit about your life this gorgeous woman her name's angela she started saying life sucks i said okay it's a little strong to come at me like that she goes my mom died when i was one my dad died when i was 11 why has all this happened to me People leave me. They abandon me. They trip on me. 
Well, don't ask this question of Rick Warren. Rick Warren, was, it's because they believe wrong things. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Do I, do I really have to write this down? Uh, you, you Keep the pen out. He, uh, uh, he, keep writing. He, we might learn something important. Okay. Let's uh, money's not coming in. I'm tired of living. Screw this whole thing. I'm just going to go into this industry, make a little money, and whatever. I said, I could understand why you're a little bit bothered. Life's not fair. Come on. Setbacks happen for unexpected reasons sometimes. Sometimes you create them. Sometimes they just show up without you ordering on the table. Come on. And I said, but before you do that, let me ask you, have you ever desired to be married? Yeah, I've always desired to be married. I said, really? Why? Well, I thought I'd be an amazing wife to be able to give love and share a relationship and and be intimate with someone. I've never known intimacy. I said, write that down. So she just, she grabbed a piece of paper right there. Wrote that down. I said, well, would you ever want to be a a mom, have a child? Well, I've always wanted to have a child. I said, we're on a little pattern here. I've always wanted. I'm curious, what have you always wanted? Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. By the way, that's not in the Bible. That was the Spice Girls. Um, oh, a bad chapter in history. I'm, 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 I'm negative writing that. I, I'm not. You're okay. gonna erase that. I'm in pen. Tear it out of the. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Spice Girls just don't make the sermon cut. Yeah. I I, I apologize. Let's continue. Oh, I'll tell you what I want. What I really want. She said, I want, "I've always wanted to be a mom." To be able to to be there for a, a child, like I never had the mom to be there for me. I said, write that down. Well, have you ever wanted to help people? Yeah, I always thought I'd help underdogs. She starts saying, I've always wanted. I've always wanted. She wrote a couple things down. She described what kind of house she wanted to live in. She described what kind of husband, what kind of child. All of a sudden, in the middle of this conversation, this beautifully attractive woman in Calabasas, California, grabbed her piece of paper, started screaming, ah! I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to try to perform an exorcism or call 911. I didn't know what to do. Dr. Phil was not on my line at that point. I didn't know what to do. She goes, I want my future. I want my dream. But you don't know stuff I've done. You don't know why I, you don't understand, but I want this. She starts crying profusely. And in my ear, if I could tell the stories that really went down, I felt God had told me to, I felt like he put an impression inside me. That's what I mean by God tell me. That she had had an abortion three months ago, but all I told her was this: Is this guy like related to Patricia King and those folks? I mean, he's healing people, hearing directly from God, and yet uh, the Bible hasn't really made uh, in the, uh, appearance at all in this. But uh, God wants you to have these dreams. The Bible's made a cameo, and Bible kind of came. <laughs> yeah, so this is the gospel according to the Spice Girls. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I said, you can forgive yourself today. Because God's not freeze-framed on your then when you're living in your now. You can forgive yourself today for what happened three months ago. Your son's... You can forgive, forgive yourself. yourself. Yeah, that's going to help. Oh, man. Will that get me into heaven? You know, you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, you know, let me just ask Jesus, you know, looking at us. and say, Let me just ask, did you forgive yourself? I remember Jesus walking around Israel forgiving people of their sins. It wasn't a matter of them saying, I forgive myself. Yeah, you could you imagine Jesus saying to the paralytic, you know, son, <laughs> forgive yourself. You're believing a lie. That's why you can't walk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The reason why he can't walk is because he's believing a lie. If he would just believe the truth, yeah, he'd be able to, yeah. It's in heaven, you'll see him one day. But God's giving you sight to your dream so you can pursue your tomorrow rather than pursue your past. I'm curious, is your past determining your present or is your dream determining your present? 
Yeah, it, I, I I must reprise us with. Uh, There's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow. If you put your hands in the air, it'll feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you in the song. Man has a dream, and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. When it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. So there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow just a dream. Yeah, I have no idea what this has to do with the Bible, and yeah. why, how is it this guy's a pastor? Yeah. yeah, that tells me what's driving your life. Are you being manipulated by memories of what once was, by the past regret? Her life was being driven by that, driven by resentment, driven and guided and controlled by anger, unforgiveness, and hurt. She goes, "Can we go to the bathroom?" I'm like, "I'm not sure. I've never been asked by a girl going into porn to go to the bathroom before." I said to the guy, "You're going with me." We go up to the bathroom, and I didn't know what to expect. She opened up her purse. She pulled out needles. She says, here, I don't want this. Here's heroin. I don't want this. Here's some cracks, actually some crystal. I don't want this. She goes, I want my future. She kept holding on to her dream. She goes, I want- you know, so, okay, let, 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 me, let me put this into biblical <clears throat> perspective here. We have a woman who's considering going into the porn industry, handing over her heroin needles to a self Proclaimed pastor, self-proclaimed pastor, life coach, inspirational speaker, and she wants to give that all up so that she can have her future. Right? Is she? Does this count as repentance and the forgiveness of sins? Does this count as somebody who has been driven to their knees, understanding their sinfulness and their need of a savior, and crying out to God for mercy and the forgiveness of their sins? No, it hasn't even been mentioned. Yeah, narcissism in its purest state. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. This is a gospel of narcissism. I want my dream. I want my dream. Proverbs says it best: without a dream, without a vision, you perish. You go out of bounds. You do dumb. Stuff. I told you. There's a proverbs a verse in Proverbs that says that without a prophetic dream, people perish. But it, it's it's if you when you read it in context, it's basically saying that without God speaking, telling us, you know, giving us His law, then people perish. It's not that we don't have a big dream for tomorrow. That's not what that proverb says yeah. at all. Stuff She was wondering and wandering because she'd lost sight of her dream. If you lose sight of your dream and the dream dissipates, you become dull and you begin disappointed and you start doing some dumb stuff. You start regressing and retaining and retarding, damning up. See, the reason why you do bad things and make self-destructive mistakes is because it's not that you're just believing lies. It's that you've lost sight of your dreams. Wow. For dreams, the very fuel of your future. It's the very thing that produces energy and momentum and you to make good decisions. She goes, I want my dream. She says, flush this stuff out. She didn't say stuff. She said something else. She said, flush this out. I said, no, because until you decide to flush it out, you'll never be able to flesh out what's timeless. Sometimes you got to flush out what's toxic so you can flesh out what's timeless. Some of that was worth your gas money if you got a piece of that. That that wasn't even worth like five cents worth of gas. Uh, nickels worth of free advice? No, no, that, no, no, no. I want. I'd want my money back. I want my money back. 
Watch this. Tonight, someone's going to start flushing out what's toxic, belief systems, the old, because God's trying to do a new thing. Even Jesus said, I'm trying to put new wine, but I can't put them into old mindsets, old wine. Yeah, no, Jesus, uh, wine and wine skin, that was, Jesus wasn't talking about mindsets there. It's people saying they're going to flush something out. It was really scary is that there's people who are listening to this thinking that they're hearing the, the teaching of the word of God. Wow. Mind skins, because where the mind goes, the man follows. Come on. You think over 30,000 thoughts a day, I think a good thinking is a big priority in our life. The question is, what's your dream? Who's fueling it? If it's driven by God, it's what you can give. If it's driven by yourself, it's always what you can get. Uh, chapter and verse for any of this? Yeah. Let me just say that one more time. If it's driven by what you can get, it's not driven by God. It won't take miracles. It'll just take your ability, and it will be selfish and focused. It will actually take the life away from you because it's driven by greed, Proverbs says. But if it's driven by God, it's what you can give. You know what, though? Why is it that he's contradicted himself? I mean, didn't we hear that uh, this this whole thing was really... Isn't that what the sermon's really about? I'm shocked. <laughs> I don't know if I can speak to you again. <laughs> I want out of this family. Re- you have something that benefits and blesses somebody on this planet. You're a reward to somebody. You're a way out to somebody. You're a healing to somebody. You're an encourager to somebody. Someone's going to invent something. and Somebody's got something to help somebody. A dream. Someone say dream it. Someone say design it. I can't stay long here, but the one place you can design is in a place like this. Environment's everything. It's where beliefs, watch, are transformed. You can't be in an atmosphere full of negativity and people thinking all pessimistic and see your dreams come to pass. You'll end up partnering with predators rather than partners. He who walks with wise people. Be- uh, where does the Bible teach it? <laughs> this. I don't know. You guys look frightened. I mean, that that you, you seem distracted after the whole Spice Girls know, Transformers incident. dreaming in disguise. I don't know. I, yeah, okay. Uh, dreaming in disguise. It got it. Okay. <laughs> Comes wise. I don't hang out with people as smart as me. I hang out with people smarter than me. Anthony Robbins, who I was with not too long ago, the motivational speaker. Uh, uh, said, yeah, see, I told you. I told you. Yeah, this guy is an Anthony Robbins wannabe. Jack Canfield, who wrote The Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jack Canfield said to him, I want to become a billionaire. He was waiting for this real positive answer from Anthony Robbins, and he goes, it'll never happen. He goes, why do you mean that? He says, because every person you hang around is a millionaire. That's the only way you know how to talk, think, and act. Until you get around other people who have faith for something bigger than where you're at, you'll keep reproducing and having reruns of your then rather than accessing more than the History Channel but the Discovery Channel. It, it, I, 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 Wow. This passes as, as yeah, a this, sermon? This, was, a this was the sermon at South Hills Church. I've yet to hear a sermon. Yeah. Ooh, that's good right there. No, it wasn't oh, no, really no, at, no, at all. No. Do people that you talk about have conversation about the good old days, or are they fueling you where you want to go? Do they inspire you? Do they encourage you? Do they believe in you? Do they promote you? You become your environment. 
So you got to dream it. You got to desire it. But now you got to deliver it. And I got to go fast. I'm going to help you real quick as a coach. You got to deliver it. To do that, it's not a fantasy. It's a formula. Proverbs says in Proverbs 12, 11, he who works his life can have an abundance. He who chases fantasies lacks insight and judgment. Yeah. Doesn't it sound to me like he's the one chasing fantasies? It's a no, dream. It's dreams. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, those, yeah. <laughs> he just shot himself in the foot with the 12 gauge. <laughs> I wish we could have seen it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, unbelievable. Jeez. Talk about the blind leading the blind. That, that's the first thing I'm writing down, shooting yourself in foot. That's the first thing you're writing down? Uh, this entire... We tore up the other stuff. Oh, that's right, because of the Spice Girls. Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Proverbs saying it, desire without any diligence, it leads to disillusionment. How many of you know there's a lot of disillusionment? Come on. We have great intentions, but those desires never showed up. Leaves us heart sick. I want to help you accomplish. It starts by working a law of success. It's what a farmer would do. you got to plow. The law of success. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is in the Bible somewhere, I'm sure. Second, uh, no, it's six Maccabees. Right after the book of Hezekiah. Uh, right, right in the middle of Gospel Thomas. Right. Plant, water, reap. I'm going to go fast. Someone say plow. Say it like you got energy. Say plow. Nudge your neighbor. Give him an elbow. Say plow. That's five plow people. is when a farmer watch. He breaks ground. He breaks ground. For you, that's when you raise your standard. You come to the place where you say, my name is, my life's about. What? <laughs> I feel like I'm talking about the you know mission to the moon or something, putting planting a flag in the ground. Woo! This, I mean, as far as motivational speakers go, this guy isn't even good. Oh my gosh, it's terrible! Uh, oh, I know not, you like to. Tr- huh? <laughs> yeah. He's not a. I'm good. No, 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 no continue. Well, it's because he's not a real motivational speaker. He didn't go to training. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but he thinks that he does. But I lost my thought. That's why I said ignore me. <laughs> let's continue true and false questions in school come on you had a chance to get something right come on the essay questions you liked on those tests too because you could try to come on lie to the teacher by rewriting the question a million different ways but the question that you hate the worst were the fill in the blanks how will you fill in the blanks tell me your name out loud what's your name half of the room knows their name let's try this again hooked on phonics your name is your life's about that's what I thought. Come on. I'm going to simplify to amplify. If not, you're going to dabble with everything but never master anything. What? The audience is dead. <laughs> I, oh, man. Jeez. And the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. You're created to conquer and master things, not dabble with things. You got to determine my name is my life's about. Let it be about your dream. Well, my, I don't know what my dream is. Spend some time praying in the presence of God. What are the gifts and the talents that dominate your thoughts and your mind? What do you love to learn about? Usually what you hate, you're called the cure, called the change. That's right, and I hate bad preachers who don't do their job. That's easy. It's my dream. Bingo. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I really want this guy out of the pulpit. This pen is going to get in your eye. <laughs> we continue. What, you, what, what do you think about? What would you do if all your bills were paid? Good questions to ask yourself. But you got to say, my name is, my life's about. Please don't leave tomorrow. Don't get into tomorrow without filling that in before tonight's out. My name is my... <laughs> Jeez, Louise, I feel like I'm filling out a card. And here's the worst part. 
you you how much you want to bet the 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 pastor Songson who's the head pastor there he expects the folks to tithe after hearing this. Uh, I, I go. Is the, this worth ten percent of the gross of your income? It's worth negative ten percent. My life's about. It will simplify and amplify because it will determine who you partner with, where you spend your money, where you spend your time. But what it will do is it will bring focus to your life. You can't be potent, focused on all kinds of things. You'd be like one of those dogs in the back of the car that shakes. Come on. You'll be dabbling with everything. No, no, no. This is a year we want you to master some stuff. You weren't put on this planet to dabble with things. You were put on this planet to accomplish big things. And who you are is making a demand on who you become. It's time to raise the standard. You're going to arrive 365 days from now. The question is, who will you be and who will you become? Or are you just going to hope things just turn out? Well, I got hope. Hope ain't going to do jack squat for you except make you feel good just for a moment. Oh. I want to turn dream. Wait a minute. Uh, where do we put our hope again? In Let's Jesus? write that one down. Write that one down. <laughs> Sorry, but hope does a little bit more for me when I'm putting it in the proper person. Yeah, Christ. Exactly. And him crucified, raised again on the third. Yeah, we have a hope. Yeah. Buzzing. Oh, man. This, oh, the, I mean, this, this isn't preaching. This isn't biblical. No. It's in, in the, in, even in the motivational genre, this is dumb. Okay. He had a God idea. See, oh, though, yeah, right. He, he, remember, he left baseball for this. Oh, goodness. I wish he'd stayed in baseball. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It would have probably turned out way better for him. Yeah, uh, And everyone else who hears him. This right. Is, this is a no-hitter game. I'm right. He's playing right now. <laughs> it's a no-hitter. Uh, that's good, yeah. Dreams into reality. Someone say, dream again. Someone say, dream again. Say, nudge your neighbor. Say, he's talking to you right now. Dream again. Dream again. Dream again. Dream again. Watch, dream again. You got to plow, but next you got to plant. This is where most people give their excuses. Oh, I would really like to plant my seed. I would really like. All that does is state of preference. Oh, I'll try this year. I try means I won't. I'll try means I'll do it till there's a place of sacrifice. Okay, Yoda. Come on. I'll try the diet until I have that come across the uh, Christmas. You either dream do or dream don't. There's no dream in between. Dream a squish. Dream do or dream not. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's like Mr. Miyagi. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, you catch fry with chopsticks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. This, this is horrible. Speak cream, then I'll sacrifice. Come on. I'll try the tithing thing until I get in a place where I want the Armani shoes. Come on, hey. The difference of people's life. I've talked to 31 million people on this planet in 14 years. Watch this for a minute. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm good at this. No, you're not. Uh, no, uh, no, Not no, at all. You're no. fooling yourself. Uh, What's standard again? Yeah, you're not good at this at all. <laughs> the difference in people's lives are actually their must versus their shoulds. So many people live with, oh, I should pray more. I should forgive somebody. I should dream again. I should love again. I sh you should find another career. I should tithe again. I should write my dream down. We have so many shoulds, we should all over ourselves. Oh, you did not. Get off the stage. Oh, man, he did not just do that. Oh, Come on, that was pretty funny. Come on, give the white guy some credit up in here, up in here. No. Should never happens. I smell it. Should over there. <laughs> Should never happen. I mean, that is, uh, this is crass. Uh, 
I mean that. I mean, he, childish. It's childish. It's crass. It's. I mean, at this point, I mean, he's trying to make it sound like that four-letter word that means excrement, and uh, and tra- keeps trying to make allusions to it. But he, rather than saying that, he's saying should. Uh, you goose stepping. But must does. It's not a passive choice. It's an active choice because all action begins with a decision. You can make one. Someone say, I can make them. Some of us have decision muscles that are a little weak. We need to take them to the gym, start making more of them. Well, what if I fail? What if you succeed? (laughs) (laughs) Hello? You got to plant. You got to plow. You got to plow. My name's about. But then you got to say, okay, where can I start now? Where can I invest now? I started in my grandpa's church. I left professional baseball to be a custodian for $5 an hour. People thought I was a moron. Why would you walk away from when they'd pay you to take your picture on baseball cards? I play with Roger Clemens, Jose Canseco, and now I'm a legendary scrubbing the toilets guy. For five bucks an hour, there's a little bit of a financial difference there in case you can't figure that out. You did a better job there's there. There's decent money in baseball. But in the middle of the night, I had the keys to the church. So I'd go in, and I didn't know how to connect. I didn't know all the religious songs. So I used to sing, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Wow. Please stop. God likes you. Come on, come on. Even when you're singing other songs, come on, somebody. You're like, I don't remember that. Come on, you start busting out some Stevie Wonder or something. He likes it. I started knocking on heaven's door. My God. God, God, I, I don't know how to do this, but I feel like I'm supposed to speak and touch people. And so I'd sit there. I'd open the Bible and try to speak a little bit of the Bible. I started motivating the chairs. I started inspiring the chandeliers. Come on. I was helping healing the broken carpet. He's talking about Beauty uh, and the Beast's castle there. That's about it. Oh, man. Sometimes you got to start big. You got to start in small places. You got to think big in small places, but you got to become somewhere. The Bible says, "Don't despise the day of small beginnings." What? De- what verse is that? I don't know. It sounds like it's coming from Big Time by uh, yeah. by Peter Gabriel. Peter, Peter Gabriel. It sounds like Big Time to me. You're on your way. Your let's take a listen to that song. See if we can find the theology of that. Hang on a second here. Peter Gabriel, right? Um, Peter Gabriel. Um, yeah, this, I, I think you're right. Hi there. I'm on my way, I'm making it. I've got to make it show, So much larger than life. This song preaches better than this guy. Oh, yeah, it's motivating me so much more. I agree. I feel motivated. The place where I come from is a small town. They think so small, they use small words. But not me! I'm smarter than that I work it out I've been stretching my mouth To make those 
big words come right out. I'm having enough. I'm getting out. To a big God Cause I need him in the big church I'm on my way I'm making it I got to make it show So much larger than life So we got we got the Spice Girls and Peter Gabriel. You know who knew Peter Gabriel was like a prophet? I had no idea. I mean, you know, he's going to pray to a big god because he needs was in the big church. Kneels in the big church. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <sighs> the, yeah. This is. I feel more motivated now than in the last like two minutes. Yeah, I, I apologize for those of you whose ears are bleeding because my son and I both we cannot sing. That's uh, all right. You know, <laughs> you just stick a little cotton in there and, you know, it, it'll sop up the blood and you, you'll be back to good. And, you know, but no time. No time. I mean, sorry for all the spilled coffees. Yeah, yeah, let's continue. Well, I'm waiting till everything's right. That's foolish in the eyes of God. The Bible says Ecclesiastes chapter four, don't judge things and decide to do things when we have perfect conditions. Begin to act now right where you are. Uh, oh, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Uh, oh, please check. Hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling he just pulled I, that one out of yeah, his out of his big mouth. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Stretching that mouth. How many? Uh, hey, all right, here, Ecclesiastes. Or again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On on their on the side of their oppressors, there was power. And there was no one to comfort them. And then I thought, the dead who are already dead are more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. So the guy that hasn't heard the sermon is more blessed than me? (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Then I saw that all the toil and all the skill and the work uh, come from a a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. You know, it's funny. This sermon seems to be about striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, uh, who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all of his toil. His eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks for whom I am toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another one to lift him up. Again, two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him Threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor, better was a poor and a wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. 
for he went from prison to the throne. Uh, though in his own kingdom he had been poor, I saw all the living who move under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after the wind. This is the most condemning part of the part of the book of, of, of the Bible I've ever heard against this sermon. Yeah, the, 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 the chapter he mentions condemns him <laughs> that's just brilliant i'm gonna Ooh. back it up just a smidge because i want to hear this in context so let's hear until everything's right that's foolish in the eyes of god the bible says ecclesiastes chapter four don't judge things and decide to do things when we have perfect conditions begin to- yeah it doesn't say any of that i, I, I completely missed that yeah no it, i just read the whole chapter what translation did he use again the, uh the um, rick warren message paraphrase ah the bovine oh. scatology me- uh, yeah the, that's right got it the bsv act now right where you are what are two decisions right now that you can either begin to dream again or watch refocus and utilize your dream again well i want someone to do it for me it doesn't happen you just listen to a man that worked his dream in the dark to one day get rewarded in the light the Bible says sometimes you got to be silent, but then there's a time where you can really speak. Jesus was left for 30 years to be loud for three years in the right. This guy doesn't even know what he's talking. He's talking in circles. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you got to work. You got to like common the rapper says, "I got a dream. We're gonna work it out, out, out. Plow, plant. Now you got to water. I got to hurry. You got to water. You got to stay persistent." Colonel Sanders had a dream. He got. Uh, by the way, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Not in the Bible. No. I told 1,009 times your courier chicken recipe's horrible. You think at about 621, he might have started developing cookies. Come on, steaks. Something different. But he had a dream. Walt Disney was told 302 times that we, your dream to have a mouse and have a land will never happen. Cue the music. He said, I refuse to take no. <laughs> Okay, hang on one more time. I you know, just yeah. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow is just a day away. Man has a dream and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. When it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream. Who knew that today's edition of Fighting for the Faith would be a musical? I just... Oh, I love musicals. (laughs) (laughs) Let's continue. Henry Ford was tried to talk out of his dream of building a car by none other than Thomas Edison. Somebody might be an expert in another field, but that doesn't give them right to put you in their driver's seat of telling you what to do. He told them it'll never happen. He says, I refuse, so he pushed him to the curb. Thank God he did because he made a lot of money. He helped a lot of people. You got to plow, plant, water, and then you got to reap. Someone say reap. It's not all just work. Watch our our expectation should be in God that I'm going to reap this year. Come on. I'm going to reap. I'm looking for when I'm going to reap. I'm going to look for when I'm going to reap. And I close with this story that there's a guy by the name of Hulk Hogan. Anybody ever remember him? What? Wow. Um, Hulk Hogan, by the way, not in the Bible. 
still, I mean, I would have gone for Goliath. But yeah, you remember, you remember Hulk Hogan? He played Thunderlips in uh, uh, in the Rocky. Th- was it three? Rocky three. Yeah, yeah. Come on, he had those yellow tight underwear things. Come on, had Hulkamania. Watch. I talked to my dad. I wanted to get WrestleMania. It was like first one versus him and Hulk against Andre the Giant. We were all stoked and animated. Me and my brother, you got to get it. My dad said, it's already fixed. It's already determined who will win. No, it's not, Dad. This is serious stuff. This is a fight. No, Rexford is determined. No, 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 it's real. So we finally talked him into doing it. He got it. It was a cage match. The first 15 minutes of the cage match, Andre the Giant's just pummeling him. Come on, ketchup spilling all over Hulk Hogan's face. We're like, oh, my gosh. The paramedics had to run to the side of the stage. We're like, did you see this, Dad? This is real. He's, like, he's laughing. Come on, he's all happy, whatever. No, this is real, serious stuff. But then one moment, Hulk Hogan starts doing this. We're like, oh, yeah. Come on, the moment we've all been waiting for. He goes, oh, yeah, and then he starts going like this. And Andre the Giant starts taking steps back. In one moment, he regained his momentum. He went and clotheslined Andre the Giant, went and dropped that big old leg. Mean Gene Okerlund went, one, two, three. It's pandemonium. The Pontiac Silverdome's nuts. 68,000 people just watched him win. How many of you know it was already fixed ahead of time? All he had to do was step into the ring and walk out the formula, walk out the process. Well, it's quote, professional wrestling, of course it was. All you got to do, because you're God's person, is walk through God's process. Watch. God's person, God's process, enters God's prize. It's rigged. God's prize. Go ahead and give the Lord a clap and a shout. I'm done speaking. Thank God. Stand up on your feet. Yeah, I'll stand for that. Yay, Come on, guys, say done. quit clapping. Come on, keep clapping for God. <laughs> Leave. You guys are on fire tonight. <laughs> that was not a fire credit. This is your year, one. 2011. Look, 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 look. Don't get ready to go out. Desperate Housewife doesn't start till nine. Plus, it's a rerun. Come on. I'll already tell you the Seahawks won. Peter told me. So is this like the, his version of like cue the sappy music for prayer time? I don't even want to know. I think about yeah. watch, watch. All eyes on me, like Tupac said. Watch, 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 watch. This is the most important. Like Tupac Shakur, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Sad thing about him is, is that you know he was he was gunned down. Yeah. And and he was like not just once, but you know the second time is when they when they killed him. But the first time, he went from two pack to one pack. Yeah. You're breathing in the year of 2011. We could talk about history all we want. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, the great disciples. And what they accomplished, that's history. But this is, you're part of God's story. You're alive on the planet now. So we're not going to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Jesus, Jesus, Peter, Paul. No, 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 no. It's, it, it, you know, since we're all part of the story, the most important part now is that is that your story is being told. You know, you know what cage match I want to see? I want to see Rex uh, go in a cage match against biblical discernment and just see what happens. Uh, yeah, he has none. Uh, gone. <sighs> okay, let's uh, continue. This is this. the question: Is what will you do with your moment? How will you fill in the blanks to 2011? Will you hope somebody else designs it for you? Your life's way too precious. 
to put in the hands of another individual. Yeah, like you. But why don't you put it? You mean like Jesus? In the hand of God. He knows your yellow brick road. He knows your private. (laughs) (laughs) Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh, no. He did not just say that. (laughs) Wow. Jesus knows your yellow brick Brick road. road. Oh, Oh. why do I feel like it's another song coming on? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Let's let's see if I can. Yay, another song. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Here, 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 hang on a second here. I mean, since we're, I mean, we're already here. Let's just, you know, we've got to do this. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 See, that guy has a Jesus beard. You see? Oh, oh my gosh, helium. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Not in the Bible either. He turned out to be a shyster. You're right. <laughs> oh man. I think the, my brain just turned off. Oh, I I cannot believe that's what he just said. Hang on. Back in 2011. Well, you hope somebody else designs it for you. Your life's way too precious to put in the hands of another individual. But why don't you put it in the hand of God? He knows your yellow brick road. He knows your priority pathway. And why don't you let him like he says he would do? If you go through the door, his name's Jesus. I love what our church teaches here. Chris and Laura teach that we walk through the door, he brings you into an abundant life. Spirit, soul, body, relationally, finance. Yeah, this is just all ridiculous. Get you the chopper. Doesn't mean it's all easy, but it's a life where dreams come true. If you say you know a life where dreams come true. What? Oh, I used to dream Jimmy again, Cricket. but the dream the used to dream, but the dreams dissipated. I became too busy, or setbacks knocked the wind out of my sail. Or maybe you say, you know what? I forgot what it was like to dream. But I want to dream again because without it, they're going to have an altar call for people who've forgotten how to dream. A dream. You don't have a future. All you got is a glamorized past. If you want to dream, you know that Chris Songson, I think he actually worked at Saddleback for a while. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. When you're ready to dream out loud, like Bono says, why don't you let tonight be a night of change for you? Yeah, from you too. The key is to open the door of your heart to the one who gives dreams. His name's Jesus. Jesus, the dream giver. If you've never done that before and you say, you know what, tonight I want to get my life better. I need to be forgiven of things, but I want a new slate and I want to dream again. If you need that, just lift your hands up strong right now. Just completely pass over the whole forgiveness thing. Like, yeah, yeah. you might be getting. You might need thing. forgiveness for something. But no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's not get technical. That might get negative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No. Yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah. Lift your hand wherever you are. Lift it strong. 
man, people live strong for other things. Look at all these awesome people. This isn't like, this is powerful. You got some guts if you want to stand. Look at all these people lifting their hands. I mean, seriously, why are people raising their hands for this guy? Okay, now That was the lamest thing I've ever heard. Live strong? Now we're pulling Lance Armstrong? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's right. That was the hands. World shakers. And tonight might be a night where you forgive yourself. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. Why Forgive you we forget about the forgiveness of sins won by Christ. Yeah. It shed blood on the cross. No, no, you gotta forgive yourself. Don't you hold hands of the person on your left and your right. Pray this if you mean it. If you don't, then don't. Trust me, I won't be praying this. But God pays attention. He sees what your heart does. I can't wait to hear this prayer. Forgive me for praying this. Yeah, I there's no way I'm praying this. But let your heart talk through your mouth. Say Jesus. Thank you for the privilege to be on this planet. I may not be what I want to be. Seriously? Ser- ser- I may not be what I want to be. Uh, this has got to be the Temple of Doom. <laughs> this is, this is blasphemy. Oh, my gosh. But thank you that I'm not what I used to be. Thank you for being merciful to my life. And thank you for giving me dreams, inspiration, and desires. Oh man, this guy's going to hell. To have a better year this year than I had last year. Forgive me for all sin and wrongdoing. Hey, what's a sin and a wrongdoing? I mean, they just throw that in at the end for good measure. I, I, I don't know. I didn't say anything about wrongdoing. not eating his vegetables. Make me a new person on the inside and help me to dream God-sized dreams. God-sized. Let this. Yeah, it's a little bigger than a venti. Okay. Be the greatest year of my life. I place my confidence in you. Let your super come on my natural. Wow, oh, um, that's horrible. That is that is downright. This is blasphemy. Jeez. In Jesus' name. And that was the one time Jesus Whoa, was mentioned. Oh, there they go. They, the one honorable mention for Jesus at the very end. And in Jesus' name. Cameo. Oh, oh my God. Wow. That was the Alfred Hitchcock sermon where that, Jesus that, came at the very that, end. This, okay, oh. folks. Um, that was such a train wreck. Stop for a moment and pray for Rex. Pray that God would convict him of his blasphemy and his sins and drop him to his knees and beg God for mercy and the forgiveness of his sins. What you just heard was flat-out blasphemy. I mean, that that wasn't a sermon. That wasn't Christianity. I don't know what that was. That was self-centered, narcissistic, ear-scratching, uh, pablum. And uh, and it, uh, it, I, I fear that Rex is going to hell. And, uh, and and unfortunately, I think that the people who take him seriously as far as whatever his religion is, that wasn't Christianity. I don't know what that – that was the religion of Rex, I think. Yeah. Uh, stop and pray. And uh, if you know anybody that goes to South Hills Church, you need to, uh, you need to schedule some time to meet with them uh, with an open Bible in hand. Uh, you need to make some copies of the sermon reviews that we do here at Fighting for the Faith from South Hills. And you need to confront these folks and say – you need to leave that church. That pastor is not teaching the word of God. What you're he- what you're hearing there will actually send you to hell, not uh, bring you to repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. They're not being taught sound biblical doctrine. They're not being taught the Bible. They're taught narcissistic meism. 
And uh, I mean, that's that's how sort of dire the situation is. And as far as if they need a, if they need a church to go to, call Kevin Colander, pastor of uh, First Lutheran in Lake Elsinore, California. That'd be a place for people to go to where they will hear the word of God, they will hear repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and they hear, they will hear the gospel for them every single Sunday. Well, I mean, this this is horrible, I, uh, unbelievable. I mean, breathtakingly bad. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith, and I need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. You know the drill. Go to our website, pick one of the buttons, click it, and fill out the uh, online data so that you can uh, support us financially. All right, I'd love to get your feedback. If you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> 